awesome men and women success. Hi, welcome to Awesome Men and Women Success, the podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Mark. So this week, um, what are you reading, Mark? Uh, I'll be reading the first chapter I wrote, um, Alliances, uh, General Alliances. Okay. Just the basic ideas, um, so you know, the, wor- the world is a savage place and you need to know who you can trust. Very good. The I'll answer's be reading- usually no one. That's very paranoid of you. Um, I'll be reading M. Marshall, Double Psychic Detective, which is um, not really advice as much as it is a story. It, it sounds um, uh, stimulating. I'm kind of proud of it. I like this one a it's, lot. It's a good piece of art, you'd say. Um, Literature uh, art. I don't claim that things are art or not art. Oh, okay. You claim things exist. No, it's funny though. Oh, okay, that's good. It makes me laugh. This is—I think this is my funniest thing, or at least for me. You mean yet? There's yet. more to come, folks. <laughs> yeah, this is no <laughs> by no means the peak, the <laughs> pinnacle. <laughs> There's no reason to stop listening now. So, um, without further ado, we'll get started. I think I'll read mine first this week. M. Marshall, double psychic detective in the case of the missing art. The bad news. My cold, dingy office stank around me like the moist innards of a food processor after pizza night went too far. The good news? It looked like a client was on her way up the stairs. More good news? She had brought pizza, and I always get my pizza for free. Hey, you order a pizza, she said. I responded awesomely. Yeah, that's right. Fourteen ninety-nine, please. It was now or never. You see, times were tough for a double psychic detective. People didn't seem to need detectives anymore, and everyone hates a psychic, and even more hate a double psychic. I, I waved my hand through the air to make it look like I was doing something. People expected a little show and dance from a double psychic detective, so I started to perform if I were a rich man. This had two effects. The pizza delivery lady knew I was a double psychic detective, and she also knew I was completely broke. I began my pitch. Look, lady... Is there a terrible mystery in your life, something so unusual, so unsolved, and you believe unsolvable, that you'd be willing to pick up that pizza bill for me? How did you know, she asked. Ma'am. Ma'am, I'm M. Marshall, double psychic detective. Let's eat some pizza and talk it over. I kicked the sleeping bag firmly under my desk. There was no sense in needing to explain that double psychic detectives couldn't afford to pay rent, not with the current market pressures. That made me remember to give my other sales pitch. If you'd like anything to go with that pizza, I've got popcorn, candy, and soda. I'd start a movie concession stand business in my spare time. I figured there's a lot to gain, with prices being what they are. I'll have a Coke, she said. Small, medium, or large. Um, medium? That'll be $6.99. She looked confused before reaching into her purse and handing me $7. Exact change only, please, I said, resolutely. It was just a common courtesy. I mean, it wasn't like I had a cash register in my office or something. She responded almost sarcastically. Why don't you just keep the change, then? Ma'am, your generosity is more than appreciated. It's double appreciated. I said slyly, reaching into her purse and taking another penny while she wasn't looking. I could tell that this was going to be the start of a beautiful business relationship, mainly by using my double psychic abilities. I pulled the Coke bottle from my mini-fridge and poured half of it into my coffee mug, handing the other half of the bottle to her. It wasn't as gross as it sounds. 
who ate some of the pizza, as meat lovers, just like I sensed it would be after I ordered it. She began telling me her story. Okay, so my husband, he's the curator of Look Art, you know, the gallery on 33rd and Cherry? You see, a really expensive piece of art that was on show there went missing about three weeks ago. Missing? I asked. Or do you think that maybe, just maybe, it was stolen? Because that is what my double psychic intuition is telling me. Well, I, I guess it was probably stolen. I don't think so. I know it. Life as a double psychic detective was good. People sometimes ask me what it's like having the omniscience of God. I always respond that's just peachy. She interrupted my thoughts by talking again. Well, the police have been worthless. They have no leads. No leads at all. Okay. Well, if I'm going to help you, I need to perform a double psychic maneuver on you. It's known as a tonsillectomy. She looked frightened. They always look frightened when I say that. Don't don't worry, it, it has nothing to do with the medical procedure, except you get ice cream at the end of it. All right, let's do it, she said in a resigned manner. Close your eyes. I reached in the mini-fridge and pulled out a box of ice cream. I made two cones, one for myself and one for her. I then reached under my desk and pulled out the stolen work of art. Ma'am, you may open your eyes now. She did so. Is this a piece of art that has gone missing? Her face played a complex ballet of emotions. It was like watching Swan Lake played in reverse and performed by goat men. Y- yes I psychically located your art and pulled it through the astral plane to this location. However, there is one problem. I handed her her ice cream cone. The problem is I'm actually a world-renowned cat burglar. She looked confused. They always look confused when I say that. It's time for me to go. I backflipped out the open window behind me art in one hand, ice cream in the other. I landed in the driver's seat of my already running Lamborghini convertible, ten stories below. Life was good. People always ask me why I chose life as a double psychic detective, movie concession stand purveyor, and world-famous cat burglar. I tell them, this isn't the life that someone chooses. This is the kind of life that chooses you. I drove into the night. Familiarizing yourself with proper alliances better than improper alliances. Our world can be a cold, harsh mistress. Stripped of our nuclear weapons and bear mace, we stand little chance to survive against some of the greater beasts, such as the shark, hippopotamus, or puma. To be an awesome man or woman, we must put aside all of our differences and recognize that if we try to eat each other, we will probably contract the disease Kuru. Together, we naked, united humans can take down any of nature's beasts or plant life, and all but the most contagious bacteria. After reflecting on the thought of a hundred hairy humans taking down a great white shark, you would naturally wonder if other creatures took part in alliances. The answer, perhaps startlingly so, is yes. There are trivial examples, of course. Elephants tend to travel in herds, communicating in subsonic frequencies. Sheep are quite content to band together to fend off an attacking wolf, even to death. Chickens will not usually peck at their sister's eggs and feast on the innards. Ants, like the British will at birth pledge life and limb to their colony and queen. Natural alliances are not limited to intraspecies bonds. Ours is a world united, so long as we have something to be united against. Many plants will welcome the graft of different species, with few exceptions. Rhinoceroses provide a secure place for certain birds to lay their eggs in exchange for a lookout and liaison with the ostrich. Man and a noble cat, who will protect a human host from demons. 
It may be difficult to tell what to trust and what to despise. These relationships are complex and often in flux. In this matter, we can rely on the wisdom of our ancestors. The two simple truths are these. If you can eat it, consider it your enemy. If you would cook two creatures in a similar manner, consider them in alliance. This first truth often throws people off. One matter of contention is that you will not be hard-pressed to find some group of people who disagree on what is edible. For instance, there are some people who are friends of the plants. Others are friends of the sea. Some are friends of furry animals, while many happily have no friends. There are some who claim to be friends of all, but by now they are dead. These relations must be worked out on our own, and at the same time, tolerate the choices of others. Just because someone eats a cat does not mean we should go ahead and eat their pet fish. This would be rude, and it might be a puffer fish, which is trouble we don't want. Not all of these adversarial relations are one way. Obviously, cows cannot eat humans. As herbivores, our delicious flesh would prove fatal. But consider the humble fungus. When it is in the form of cheese, we are the hunter. But near death, we become the hunted as we become too slow to escape their deadly reach. But with the coming of the 21st century, awesome men and women found that they were at the top, capable of walking about an open field without fear that a demon would snatch them up and consume their soul. It is important to remember that demons are still inedible to most humans. Consumption may result in demonic possession. On the subject of demons, while not part of nature, they are fire and dark elemental type, they do have some part in natural alliances. For example, most ferret owners are unaware that the squeaky little walking hot dog that makes holes in their walls and poops in the corners is actually preparing the residents for a full-blown demonic invasion. However, Tasmanian Devil is a misnomer. The name comes from their terrifying screech and odor of death. But the Tasmanian Devil has no pact with the demons. They do, however, taste like veal. We will now discuss humanity's greatest threat, the menace of the sky. It is worthwhile to consider some important alliances. 100 million years ago, dinosaurs banded together against our relatively smaller ancestors, starting one of our oldest blood feuds. With time, as those thunder lizards took to the sky, we were preparing for domination. Finally, with the invention of the wolf sack, we were ready. The war started in 1634 with the invasion of the Dodo's homeland. Despite cries for leniency, all Dodos were consumed. As victors decide justice, the diners were not prosecuted for war crimes. Because you will not be eating any dodo, we shall omit all recipes for them. If you happen to wander across a dodo, however, you may substitute it for any recipe you have that calls for pigeon, its closest relative and dearest friend. In our hatred for the birds, also known as the menace of the sky, we have gained some alliances. The praying mantis, for example. Most humans would refuse to eat a praying mantis, and with good reason, as they are small and mostly weapon. In exchange, the larger mantis will occasionally stab a small bird in the heart and leave it in our honor below a window. The noble cat will also kill any bird it finds and leave it at our bedside. If this is an undesirable behavior, then you should lock your cats outside. With effort, a cat can be trained to not deposit the game on your linen, but instead remove the feathers and stuff the meat inside the intestines, with some fruit and spices. However, you might not find this a completely sanitary process, and should consider purchasing your sausage at your local food market or butcher. Before you can wonder if there might be some birds that are not menace of the sky, let it be known that there are no birds that we can fully trust.
Yes, on occasion an awesome man or woman might convince an individual hawk the error in its ways and teach it to attack other birds or rabbits. This trust is rare and often misplaced, with the hawk often attacking children using the same kung fu skills we taught them. It should be noted that most pet birds are still in alliance with the wild cause. If you have ever been in a room with a sufficiently large parrot, you will know exactly what I mean. If you see a parrot that talks the voice of human, I suggest you consume it immediately. Someday we will find a traitor who is teaching them our tongue and feed him or her to a demon. The classification of enemy birds as menace of the sky can be misleading, as not all of them can fly. Some, like the previously mentioned dodo or the modern ostrich, have long given up the sky in favor of kicking and scratching. The penguin, while not menace of the sky, are missiles of the sea, which is pretty much the same thing. Some flightless birds, like the chicken, are capable of using their wings to jump very high, and of course, all birds can fly for a few minutes after being tossed out of the dirigible. A disturbing fact is that not all birds are of the scientific classification aves. Some are mammal, specifically the family Leopardia, also known as the rabbit. While not common knowledge that rabbits are in alliance with birds, birds do not have large ears and rabbits do not have wings, many reliable sources place these two together. Therefore, any recipe that involves a menace of the sky, you may substitute the bird with a rabbit, but in the recipe, replace feather with fur. Another mammal, the bat, while often considered a menace of the sky, is not a member of the group menace of the sky. They have been, for the past few million years, trying to edge out the birds from their air niche. But beware, for some bats have a taste for human blood and are known to transmit vampirism. Because most menace of the sky are able to fly or run very fast, the best time to attack them is in the larval stage, where the beasts resemble a rock filled with water. This stage is called the egg. The egg, while hard and disease-ridden on the outside, contains savory edible pearls and liquids of life. Because the egg does not have wings or legs, its only means of escape is rolling down a hill or transmitting salmonella. It is therefore best to take chase on flat terrain while wearing gloves. Like the spiders of the sea, you may boil the egg fresh and alive, letting the drowned screams fill the room. The most squeamish might wish to kill the egg by cracking and pouring the innards on a hot surface. Below we will present two simple recipes for both dispositions. Tough man or woman recipe. One the egg, one pot, one water, one salt. Bring the water to a boil, then reduce heat so the boil is not rolling. This prevents the egg from hitting the inside of the pot and cracking. Place the egg gently in the pot and leave it there for 10 minutes. Remove the egg and run it under a flow of cold water until it can be handled. Remove the egg's skin. This part is inedible and should be thrown away. If the innards are still liquid, you did not boil the egg. Sprinkle a little salt on the egg flesh and consume. Squeamish recipe for preparing the egg. One the egg, one little amount of oil, one frying pan, one spatula, one black pepper, one salt, one slice of bread, one toaster. Pour the oil into the frying pan and raise to medium heat. Once the pan is hot, crack the egg against the inside of the pan and pour the innards onto the hot surface. Meanwhile, toast a bread slice. After a few minutes, the clear parts of the egg innards should turn white and firm. Flip the egg over and let it cook for 10 seconds. Then remove from heat and flip the egg onto the toast. 
If you manage to obtain an adult specimen of a menace of the sky, it is not recommended that you replace it into the recipe we presented for the eggs, as it would be messy and possibly dangerous. In this situation, use of the oven would suffice. Be sure to first dispatch the menace of the sky, as this might void your warranty on your oven. Let this knowledge guide you in your exploration of your own personal alliances. However, if you do not have a fear for Kuru, then please talk to a psychologist.